Welcome to this edition of Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford, on the Liberty and Justice Network, Radio LJN. Welcome to Socialist News and Views. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis. In the second half of the show, we will speak to Rick Majumdar about the situation with farmers in India currently. But first, we look at the news. March 16th, Teamsters Local 320 members in St. Louis County, Minnesota were out supporting Teamsters Local 120 members who are still locked out at Marathon Petroleum Corporation in St. Paul Park, Minnesota. That note from the Facebook of Teamsters Local 320, who ended the post with hashtag solidarity, hashtag Teamsters. World Socialist website has an article from March 16th entitled, Columbia University Graduate Workers Speak Out on Strike. The article says 3,000 graduate students in New York at Columbia University have been out on an indefinite strike since Monday, March 14th. The article says the strike has not been covered hardly at all by the corporate media. Reporters for World Socialist website spoke to a number of graduate student workers on the picket line for the article. A graduate student, Daniel, was quoted in the article saying, quote, I really want to go to a dentist. Dental and vision are not covered by our insurance. So I haven't gotten my teeth done in two years. Also saying a living wage and better health care are two of the most pressing issues. The article says, quote, Columbia University has taken a hard line on the strike, refusing to offer any concessions to the bargaining committee of the GSW UAW, even as the union has continuously lowered its demands, end quote. It says graduate students have lowered demands from 15% to 5% for wage increases. But not only is Columbia not meeting their demands, but is saying it will withhold disbursement payments from graduate students after March 15th and may even have striking graduate students pay back student aid awards. You can read more from those on strike at WSWS.org. Another interview is posted on March 16th at Jacobin.com with seven student workers at Kenyon College who are part of an unfair labor practices strike at the school. The article is titled, Kenyon College Students Are On Strike Today. They Want a Student Worker Union. According to Jackman, this is, quote, the first undergraduate student worker labor strike in U.S. history, end quote. Nick Becker, a student worker and organizer, is quoted in the article saying, quote, many of these problems resulted from minor policy changes the administration makes in student employment made without talking to or consulting with students, end quote. Going on to give examples of, quote, not being rehired from semester to semester, end quote. Becker said that in September, after the union drive went public, quote, without giving any reason, the administration made it so that the workplace couldn't hire students for a full year. I used to be hired on a yearly basis, not a semester to semester basis, 
so we wouldn't have to worry about if I would be hired again from semester to semester, end quote. You can read more and hear from all those strikers interviewed at jacobin.com. Teen Vogue has an article March 16th from Jacquie Germain entitled, quote, Influencers are unionizing with SAG-AFTRA to gain protection community at work. It highlights how Gen Z has grown up in the age of social media influencers and how this industry of influencers is worth, quote, well into the billions. The article goes on to say, quote, in February, the Screen Actors Guild American Federation of Television and Radio Artists officially approved a new influencer agreement allowing the union to cover social media influencers and content creators, end quote. SAG-AFTRA President Gabriel Carteris says in the article, many of these influencers are, quote, young people, some of whom are entering the workforce for the first time or might be getting their first look at a formal contract, end quote. Primarily, the organization offers its members representatives from the union that are able to advocate on behalf of the influencer members and creates a community where influencers can communicate with each other about pay and terms and get advice and support. Read more at teenvogue.com. Sean Orr writes, for Fight Back News, March 12th, that union density rose in 2020. The commentary states that the annual report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics rose half a percentage to reach 10.8%. According to the article, this is the first time since 2008 there has been a rise. Orr says, quote, at face value, the rise in the union membership rate is good news. But reading through the report reveals a more complex truth, end quote. As examples are the fact that fewer union members exist today than at the start of 2020, and that public sector union density is still much greater than that in the private sector. The report also indicates that women and men are now just about as likely to be in a union, 11% for men and 10.5% for women, and says, quote, Black workers are the most likely national group to belong to a union, and the unionization rate among black and Latino Chicano workers increased at a greater rate in 2020 than among white workers, end quote. The article says this isn't the full picture, though, as the ruling class decided that mass death was preferable to a short-term loss of profits. As a result, it says over half a million Americans are dead, and quote, many essential workers are among them, end quote. It says that in China, the socialist government declared a, quote, people's war against COVID-19 and valued human life over private profit. In America, it says, quote, in terms of economic damage, this is the worst crisis our labor movement has faced since the Great Depression, end quote. Workers World says March 16th in its title, quote, bust the filibuster, pass the PRO Act, end quote. That is an article by Martha Gravatt. It says the House of Representatives passed the Protect the Right to Organize Act, and quote, unions are now demanding the Senate pass the PRO Act, which undoes parts of the Taft-Hartley and strengthens the legal right to unionize, end quote. It says the PRO Act has a ban on permanently replacing striking workers. It also says of PRO, quote, if a union loses an election due to proven company interference and a majority of workers have signed cards, the union wins on the basis of a card check, end quote. But the article says we need to get rid of the filibuster to pass the act. Read more of the details about the filibuster and Labor Act history at workers.org. Now we're going to go to a musical break. After that, we will be back to hear from Rick Majumdar about the situation with the farmers in India. Thank you. 
the street Complaining of the taxes he must pay For the guns, the planes and the bomb And he's marching here along with us today Then follow the march and join us in the chorus And sing so that everyone will know Ban the bomb, end the war, that's what this march is for To Trafalgar Square in London we will go in her home Singing as she worked the time away Oh, she sang of happiness and peace And she's singing here along with us today Then follow the march And join us in the chorus And sing so that everyone will know Band the bomb, end the war That's what this march is for To Trafalgar Square in London we will go the golden rule. First it said, thou shalt not slay, so the children came to march with us today. Then follow the march and join us in the chorus and sing so that everyone will know. Ban the bomb, end the war, that's what this march is for, to Trafalgar Square in London we will go. Oh, I heard the lawyer at the bar. And he said, what we must have without delay is a law against the bomb. And the lawyer's marching here with us today. Then follow the march and join us in the chorus and sing so that everyone will know. Ban the bomb and the war, that's what this march is for. To Trafalgar Square in London we will go. Oh, I saw the preacher in the church. As he opened up the Bible for to pray, he declared that the good Jesus Christ would have walked along the old Maston way. Then follow the march and join us in the chorus and sing so that everyone will know. Ban the bomb, end the war, that's what this march is for. To Trafalgar Square in London we will go. why they play oh we work for harmony that's why we're singing here for you today then follow the march and join us in the chorus and sing so that everyone will know Ban the bomb and the war that's what this march is for to Trafalgar Square in London we will go That was March With Us Today by Ewan McCall and Peggy Seeger. And now, we talk to Rick. So, I first connected with Rick uh, after seeing an article that was written in Fightback News. And on Socialist News and Views, we let folks introduce themselves. So, tell us about yourself, Rick. Uh, hi, I'm Rick Majumdar. I'm a researcher in the field of aerospace engineering at the University of Texas at Arlington. Um, I'm also an organizer with PSU, Progressive Student Union. 
and I'm a I'm the uh, VP of that org. Uh, I'm also a member of the Dallas Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression. Um, I'm from Kolkata, India, and uh, and I've been part of some student orgs over there as well. Fantastic! Thank you for that. Uh, you know, so the article you wrote was about the situation with farmers in India. Um, I think actually I saw maybe a couple articles you'd written on that uh, subject. Most of our listeners will have heard that uh, farmers in India have been out protesting since at least the fall of last year, but I'm not sure everyone knows exactly what the farmers' concerns are. What are the main issues going on right now? Um, well, if we want to fully realize the, um, the problem, we have to go back um, several years. Um, so I'm going to give you some historical perspective on that as well. Absolutely. So we have, you have to realize that India's agrarian dependence is historically linked. Um, agriculture in India flourished about 2500 years ago during the Bronze Age. And with each passing arrival of various foreign powers, new and varied crops started being cultivated, the rice and wheat being the primary crops uh, that were being produced. Uh, the coming of manurialism or feudalism during the Gupta period changed the social structure of farming, uh, wherein uh, landowners or zamindars would own the land and the peasants would till and you know harvest crops, much to the capitulation of the serfs and peasants. These conditions were exacerbated by the arrival of colonialism brought by the British, France and Portugal during British colonization. 10 million people died due to the artificial cre creation of famines in, in 1770 and this was repeated again in uh, 1943 um, because of Churchill's policies where 2, two to 3 million people died because of artificial, another artificial famine. In Bengal, Pre and post independence, the Congress, the Indian National Congress initially, and the Communist Party um, fought for an immense period in time in what was known as the Khaddo or the food movement to increase food production, reduce prices, reduce hoarding and distribution, increase the supply of land to landless peasants, and also you know improve rationing schemes as well. So you see that you know what the what the basis of the farmer struggle is. Now, if we were to come to the more contemporary decade of the 90s, globalization was, you know, booming. It was the it turn during that time. And it had, it was basically a damning affair for the peasants uh, in India. The insertion of these multinational players into the agriculture sector in India led to, you know, a series of unfortunate events. Unsustainable farming, lowering, lowering of the water table, crop failure, high debt burdens, um, you know, and right. basically anti-farmer anti policies um, led to an incredible number of like, you know, farmer suicides beginning from the 90s till this very day. Mm -hmm. um, about 300,000 farmers have committed suicide um, for these variety of reasons. And this is this, this statistic is from the National Crimes Bureau of India. Um, well, now, like, you know, we see that these bills have, like, you know, now become acts and have, you know, gone through parliament and have, you know, are enforced. Right. And uh, they were basically enforced during the COVID-19 pandemic. And what we realize is that, you know, they're inherently anti-people, pro-business and profit. 
um, the, for, the first law, the Farmers Empowerment and the Protection Agreement on Price Assurance and Farmers Services Act, um, you know, let, they let private contractors to enter into the sector and damage the lives of the farmers by, you know, acquiring food grains for cheap without paying the necessary amounts back to the farmers. The second act, the Farmers uh, Produce Trade and Commerce Act, deregulates the farming system by, you know, letting farmers sell outside of their APMC mandis or the rural markets. Um, you know, this, you know, on the face value, it sounds great, you know, the farmer can sell outside of the of the rural market, but, you know, there are, this creates price competitions and inherent problems, you know, that are associated with that also right. you know attached to it as well right um so the farmers in india oppose these these laws because they fear the long-term detrimental effects of these um instead of like you know you know the expansion of these apfs apmc mandis of the rural markets um and you know creating and you know better cooperation between the farmer and the government um improving the procurement of um, the food grains, building more storage facilities, better transport systems. The BJP right-wing government, they've basically sought to remove all these APMC mandis and hand the agricultural sector to the private companies directly. And as we know, you know, this is a quite a common scenario throughout the world that private corporations do not really have the best interests of the people at heart. Um, in 2019, we saw that, you know, Lay's potato chips which is like a subsidiary of like PepsiCo, they sued farmers for nearly a billion dollars for growing a particular strain of potato, which apparently like, you know, these, they, they have like, you know, patented, but you right. know, these farmers have been growing these, 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 this, this particular strain of potato for years. Yep. And, you know, this is just one example of it. And these imperialist, you know, countries, you know, impose trade laws, force farmers to sell produce at dirt cheap prices and while they make massive profits out of it. Right. Um, and the BJP have like, you know, enacted several anti-people anti laws since they've come into power. And these farmers laws are just a continuation of those, of their mistreatment of the working class people. Um, and now we've seen like, you know, since November 26, 250 million people have come out, the largest protest in human history. Wow. Um, and and some of the and organ orgs that are part of it are um, AIKS, which is the peasant division of the Communist Party of India, Marxist, and uh, BKU, uh, and they've basically you know done a coalition effect uh, effort, and they're calling themselves the Samyukta Kisan Morcha or the United uh, United Farmers Front. Um, and I'm pretty sure that their struggle will not end until these, um, you know, laws are repealed. Right. Yeah. Right. It's really a handout to these big corporations, and uh, it sounds like a so-called move towards a free market, but at the expense of the farmers. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think I think in the United States, you know, people on the left, when they think about farmers, rightly or wrongly, might think about a, you know, primarily older conservative group of people. Is is that at all right. the description or the background politics or traditions of farmers out on the streets in India currently, or do they have more radical traditions? Well, uh, you know, we have to look at the history again. Um, well, you know, in in America, as we know that you know the colonialists they came 
to America and they swiftly removed the the custodians of the land creating right. a, you know via via genocide they yep. removed the first nation people and then you know they start, you know the first nation people they cultivated sustainably they, they didn't take more than that was required and you know they were removed and they were you know to to work on these farms on this land they, they started slavery and you know black men and women were forced to you know do sharecropping on these lands um, for the slave owners and after years of even after the emancipation proclamation they were still you know forced to work under indentured as indentured slaves um, on this particular you know on various parts of america and eventually after a, you know a long period in time after a lot of the black people moved away to urban centers um, you know the descendants you know of these farmers um, you know still remained and we see a statistic where 95.4 percent of the farmers in america are generally um, white um, and and the rest of them are you know either, either either black or latino or some other you know minority race um, so you know there is a, there is a lot of difference i mean uh, in comparison to that of India, well, in and in India, basically, as I mentioned previously, land was owned by the farmers themselves until right. you know, um, you know, the advent of like kingdoms and these lords and manors would establish the feudal system and create the you know adverse conditions for the farmers themselves, who would have to continue you know paying the manors or zamindars even at the you know the expense of their own lives. And the British East India Company, you know, worsened the lives of these farmers by enacting policies that, you know, that basically benefited themselves. Yeah. And um, and and you know, they were basically devastated by these land grabbing practices as well. Um, especially during war times, when like you know, you know the during the Second Bengal Famine of nineteen forty three, when Churchill himself, you know, directed, you know the movement of grains and food stocks to buff, to buffer stocks in back in England to to feed the you know the, the troops while you know millions and millions of people died in India. Um, and basically we, we see a history of like this struggle and you know fight to this day to resist things like this from ever taking place. Um, the Sam the Samyukta Kisan Morcha or the United Farmers Front as I mentioned previously um, which is the coalition of two major organizations, the Bharatiya Kisan Union and the EIKS, All India Kisan Sabha, um, the Peasantry Division of the Communist Party of India Marxist. They have played a major role in organizing the people um, the and the farmers in these protests. Right. Um, we would remember the massive tractor rally that took place on the, you know, on the 26th of January or Republic Day in India. Now, thousands of these people were gathered to protest the the three anti-farmer bills. Their main goal was for the government to repeal the three laws and basically guarantee the minimum support prices of these of 23 crops. So so there's a clear difference in the farmers of the US and that of India. I mean, in India there is the existence of pe peasantry who control the agrarian sector and right. they fight the ruling and they basically are, so they fight the ruling class for their survival. Well, in the U.S., the farmers are a part of the ruling class because um, most of them are basically are in liaison with the private companies, whatever. Um, 
so we really don't see a peasantry as such in America. So I would say those are the you know the differences. Absolutely, and I think I think I've seen some examples recently of you know folks in the West uh, you know trying to show support for uh, farmers in India, and so just wondering you know how can people that want to show solidarity from let's say the United States or elsewhere, how can they support the struggles of farmers as they continue to push to get rid of these three laws? I mean, um, we've seen like a lot of celebrities in the West. Um, I think Rihanna shared a lot about it. Um, yeah, and uh, I think um, Superwoman or Lily Singh also, she wore like a mask that says, I stand with farmers, that was cool as well. Um, I think in general, just, you know, sharing the news, sharing it far and wide so that everybody is aware about it, um, reading more about the farmer struggles from the organizations that are basically representing these farmers, right. learning from the struggle and basically applying it to working class movements here in the US. Absolutely. Um, that, that would be the best way to go about it. So folks need to make sure that they're sharing that information about what's going on with the farmers, kind of amplifying the, uh, the, the struggle and then, you know, applying, yep. the, applying those lessons. Um, yep, yep, yep. Is, is there anything else that you want to tell us or share with listeners about um, anything we haven't covered so far? Um, yeah, I think we pretty much like, you know, went about how they're going about it. I would say like, you know, try and follow like AIKS or uh, All India Kisan Sabha on Facebook. I think you can follow them on like Twitter as well. Um, and you basically like, you know, see what they're doing and how they're organizing. It's, it, it has a lot of good lessons for like how to organize. Okay. Will you just spell that yeah. for folks? A-I-K-S or All India Kisan Sabha or K-I-S-A-N-S-A-B-H-A. All right. Thank you so much for that. Another edition of Socialist News and Views with host Nick Schillingford on the Liberty and Justice Network, Radio LJN.